I have known Dawn for uh, 15, almost 15 years, so it is so cool to see uh, this part of her journey and her story. <clears throat> you, if you have been around here, you have seen these kinds of stories. You have seen lives change. If you're on the newer side of things, welcome. This is a place where God really is and shows up and lives are changing all the time, and I hope you get a sense for that. My name is Caleb. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome you. Uh, you might have heard Don say halfway through that story that she got the sense that God's Spirit was asking her to do something, to do something uncomfortable, to reach out to her dad even after all these years and his closedness and his aggression toward her. Uh, and maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, what the heck does that mean? The Holy Spirit? God whispering to you, prompting, suggesting. It's kind of a strange concept. Even if you have been following God, following Jesus for years and years and years, you have to admit it's a mysterious, strange thing that you kind of get and yet also don't really get. And there's a lot of us here who, for the idea of prayer and hearing from God, listening to God, talking to God, it's very foreign. It's very confusing. And maybe we'd rather just kind of stay away from it because we don't get it. There's misunderstandings, a lot of misunderstandings around the idea of prayer. Maybe you don't know where to begin. And so you just don't. You're like, I, I, I Prayer is a thing, and, and I believe God is out there, and I believe that he cares and stuff, but I just, I don't get it, and I hear people talk about it, and that's not my experience, so I just, I just kind of don't. Maybe you don't know how. Maybe it's kind of, you think that there's fancy words, or you think that you maybe have to have some beads, or you don't know if you should cross it up, or exactly like what order you go in, and, and if, if you don't go in the right order, does it negate the entire prayer? Do you have to start a prayer a certain way or end a prayer a certain way? Or, or, or because God knows what I did last night, am I, can I, am I precluded from praying for years? Like, how, where, does this, where does this all play out? How do we know? Maybe, maybe you, you fear or you wonder if God hears other people, but just, just not you. He seems to listen, and you hear stories like that, and you want to believe it because God is God, right? And of course, if he's a loving God, then maybe. But for you, you're just like, maybe it's them, and, and maybe it's just not, not me. Prayer can be a confusing thing. It can be a thing that we can misunderstand, and it can be a thing that some of us, I know, are afraid of. We tell you to go through Rooted, and most of you have gone through Rooted. If you haven't gone through Rooted, you must in the fall. Pay attention, sign up as soon as you can. You must. There's a group, about 115 people going through Rooted right now, and after about the third week, there's something we call a prayer experience. And I heard stories about people in this prayer experience where they come together, and some didn't want to come because they were just too afraid, but the ones that were courageous and they showed up, which was most of them, they sat and they prayed some of them just a couple of weeks ago, prayed out loud for the very first time in their lives. Some of them got together and they prayed and went off maybe by themselves for a moment and then came back and they prayed to God for the first time in years because they had, I heard a story, they had as a kid, 
And then something terrible happened in their life and they had a big loss and they felt like God must not care, he must not be there and I'm done. And they didn't pray to God for years. And then all of a sudden, because of this rooted prayer experience, because of being a part of our church and rallying with other people, they began to pray again. And they had the sense that there's something to this, that there is a God and maybe, just maybe, he's listening to me and I can listen to him. Prayer is personal, but it's not private. And some of us, some of us think that prayer is just, it's just between me and God. And, and I, I, don't, I don't talk about my relationship with God outside to other people, but here's what happens. Here's what is happening for some of us. Because your relationship with God is so private, you start even to question if God speaks to you at all. Did God really say that? Was that a thing? Is that just bad sushi? Am I just, am I just imagining from the thing that I watched last night? Or, or did God really speak to me this morning? But you don't engage with anybody else. You haven't talked with anybody else. And so you start to doubt that it's real. And over time, you begin to be the person that just goes, oh, I don't know, I don't know. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a private thing for me. It's not private. It's personal. Very personal. But it's not private. And we need each other. We're going to see that in this series. Prayer is also powerful and mysterious. You might be asking yourself, is it real that like my prayer can actually impact something that's going on on the other side of the world? What else, what else can you, can you whisper to God and have the sense that somehow in some crazy mysterious way that we can't comprehend, it actually matters somewhere else and to someone else? Prayer is mysterious and powerful. Can I actually have a conversation with the God of the universe? Is that real? Is that even fathomable? I stutter just talking to this guy that I like. How can I talk with the God of the universe? And even more than you or I talking about stuff to this God, is it possible that he might have something to say to me, to you, the God of all of this, the one who keeps life in existence, my heart beating breath in my lungs, he might have something to say to me. And if he does, I would imagine that it's probably beneficial to listen. John 10, three and four says this, he talking about Jesus. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Friends, you too can know the voice of God. You can. Not the Pope, not the super spiritual, not your great-grandmother, you can, you can actually know the voice of your God. It might seem strange. It might seem like, oh, I don't know if I want to believe. Maybe it's been abused in your past in some way that people spoke on behalf of God and told you crazy stuff, and now you don't want anything to do with that kind of business. Put that aside and sit in the reality that there is a God who created you and loves you, and you can know his voice. This idea was strange to me, too, uh, when I was a kid. And I remember um, my great-grandmother, 
she was known, my, my dad, my parents referred to her as a prayer warrior. And uh, as a kid, I thought that was crazy. The only thing that she was battling was gravity. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I just did not, I did not get that. And uh, until, until this one day, when I was in the car, when my dad went up, it was in Victorville, California. And we were driving to her house to pick her up to go to church, my grandfather's church. And we pull into the garage, and we get out of the car, and we're going to go and get her. And every single morning, she made eggs and bacon. Every single morning. And she lived to like 88. Every single morning. And every single morning, she prayed. And I hadn't witnessed it before this morning, but when I walked up to the door, I heard her from the outside shouting. And then I heard my name. And it weirded me out. <laughs> Until I heard her say, you protect him, and you keep him, and you give him a purpose in this life, and you bring him a right spouse, and all these things. And I just stood there kind of like trembling. Okay. Prayer warrior. She can pray for me. And then my dad whispered to me. He said, you know, your great-grandmother and your grandmother and your mother, they pray for you every single day. And as a little kid, I didn't fully understand what that meant, but somewhere inside of me, I knew that it mattered. You know what I mean? That somehow it mattered. My great-grandmother, the prayer warrior. For me, talking uh, to God became more personal when I was 16. I hadn't really had an experience. I believed in God. I, I, I felt like I had a true, genuine relationship with him. I was trying to follow him, but I'd never sensed that I heard anything from him. And then when I was 16 years old, I was at this retreat camp thing, and the guy that was speaking said, hey, I want everyone to go out, and I want you to read one of these two passages from your Bible, and I just want you to sit and for an hour. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Uh, so I went out, and I just sat in this place, and I read... Nothing. I read it again. Nothing. And I was getting ready to pack it up and go to the pool. And then, and then I just, just sensed. It wasn't out loud. I just, for the first time ever in my life, I just sensed that God spoke. And it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with what I was reading. And he said, Caleb, eventually you're going to be a preacher. And I wrote it down in my journal, actually just right there in the margin of my Bible, and I wrote it down, but in parentheses I put some kind of preacher <laughs> because I didn't want to be anything that I had seen to that point. And that was the first time, and it was like beyond a shadow of a doubt. Sometimes you just know that you know that you know, and it had never happened to me before, and it didn't happen to me for a while since then, but that was something that was really, really clear. God just spoke to me, and it was a game changer. I believed that this is a God who communicates, not just through this Bible, not just through that preacher on stage, but actually whispers to me. Then I went through a quarter-life crisis about 10 years ago, and I started to believe that maybe he didn't speak at all. I found myself at the bottom. I had gone through a divorce. I was like, well, clearly my life and ministry and the path that I was on is over. So God did not know what he was talking about back there. And I started to doubt that that thing that I had heard was real. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been through the painful, the letdown, 
the disappointment. And you're like, what? I thought that I heard God say something back there, but it must not have been real. It must not have been true. It must not have been the case. Or maybe I've just messed it up too much. And I started to doubt. I remember I was swimming in a pool. Uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I was just trying to get some exercise and clear my head because I felt like my life was crumbling and falling apart all over me. And I heard something again, not audible, but just this thing inside of me. And God said, I'm going to allow you to be stripped of everything so that when I bless you, you'll understand that it's me blessing you and not you blessing you. And I was like, thanks? I mean, I, I, I'm, but it was just another one of those things where like right in the middle of the worst, worst, worst season of my life, when I didn't know if I could hope and I didn't know if I could believe what had happened and I didn't know if I could believe for the future, God spoke again. And he said something, and it was a pivotal thing that gave me hope for this journey and for, this, for the future. There have been countless other times through sermons, guys on a stage, through reading, through praying with other people, through just hearing from other people that I've gotten the sense that God was speaking. The most recent time, perhaps, was this step-in campaign that you've been hearing about. There was... A morning when I was reading from Genesis chapter 17 and I was reading about God speaking to Abraham and Sarah about them having a kid, finally. I mean, they're really old. They have no business having kids at that point. And God speaks to them and says, I'm going to give you a kid. And he's going to be, it's, you're going to have all kinds of ancestors and you're going to be this great nation. And they're like, yeah, right. We can't get pregnant at this age. How could this possibly even happen? And then he says this, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And as I read those words, by this time next year, I just, I, I'm just telling you, I don't know how to explain it really. I just had this sense that God was saying to me, by this time next year, this church is going to have a new home. Right? It doesn't have anything to do with a kid or whatever. But it's just what I felt like he was saying. And so I went and I came and I told some of the staff and we, we talked about it. And I believe, okay, so here's what I think we're supposed to do. I think if God's saying that by this time next year we're going to have a new home, I think we need to start raising money now because this is going to happen. And, he's, and I've never before heard from God like on a timetable. I've not known him to do that. But I felt like in this time he was. And so I thought we need to start raising money now. And so we, we started talking about, well, what would that look like? What would, and then I had two separate people, one on a Sunday morning and one at another time, come up to me and say, Caleb, one came into the office. Caleb, I just, you know, do what you want with this. I, but, but I just have this sense that God is saying he's going to give us a new home and we should start preparing. Two separate people. So I was like, confirmation, confirmation, check, check, we're doing this. And so we looked at Joshua chapter 3 where Joshua's leading the people and God says, I want you to step into the waters and then I'll part them and you can walk across on dry land, right? For Moses, you remember this? Moses, he just holds up his staff and the waters go, but, but God says, for you guys, I'm going to need you to like get wet. Like you need, to, you need to get in. I don't know if it's waist or chest high. The, the waters were moving and it was at flood season, so it might have been chest high. I need you to carry this you know, ark thing and I want you to get in to the water. And so that's what we did. We said, we're going to step in and we're going to believe that once we step in, God will do the miracle. And he did it. 
So we did this little step in graphic. I came and I talked to you and I said, we're, we're going to step in. We're going to believe it's going to happen. And then right away, there's a vote that changes in the, in the city council so that we can have the zoning worked out and we can actually be in the spot. And then we're negotiating with the owner and, and God gives us favor with them. And miraculously, people are giving and contributing just so that it, we, it can happen. It was, it was miraculous. It was a miracle. And we stepped in because we believed that God had said he would do it. And we're living out that story. We believe that God speaks. And so in this series, for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about how you can hear God's voice. How you can. How you can know the voice of God. We're going to look at it this way. We're going to listen with our, with our ears. We're talking about that today. We're going to listen with your eyes, you're going to listen to your gut, and you're going to listen while you walk. That's the pathway for the next few weeks, and I don't want you to miss it because this could be a game changer for you, learning how you personally, even if you're on the fence and you're not even sure you, you believe in Jesus, how you personally can hear from God. Even if you've been walking with God for 50 years, there could be a new level of intimacy that you discover because you can hear God's voice. So today, to just kind of set the table for the next few weeks, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about the things that get in the way of hearing from God, the things that are clogging your ears and preventing you from being able to hear God's voice. Because he is speaking, he wants to talk to you. The question is, can we hear him? Are we listening? Or is there too much clutter and white noise that's distracting us? I want to read to you from Luke chapter 10 verses 38 38 to 42. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord and his disciples were traveling along and came to a village. When they got there, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat down in front of the Lord and was listening to what he said. Martha was worried about all that had to be done. So I want you to just picture it for a moment. I want you to picture the scene. It's a house. Yes, it's 2,000 years ago, but just it's a house. Picture your house. And Jesus, who walked on the face of the earth for 33 years, is in the house. He's been doing his ministry. He's been talking about the kingdom of God. He's been healing people. When he speaks, it's unlike anyone they've ever heard speak. It's just kind of this strange authority as if maybe he was there at the beginning of everything. And, and he has authority to speak about everything. And so people like put all their life on hold to sit with this guy and to hear what he says. And he is there in their home on their sofa. And Martha, as you would understand, is busybody, you know, all over the place trying to get preparations right because the God of the universe is on her sofa. And you kind of want to, you know, put your best foot forward. And so she's thinking, I got, you know, I'm out of tea, you know, the market is about four miles that way, and I don't know if I can, whatever. And so she's trying to figure out, how do we make this work? How do we make this awesome? Because Jesus is here. Finally, she went to Jesus, and she said, Lord, doesn't it bother you that my sister Mary over here left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing. If you have your outline, circle that word. Only one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen what is best, and it will, be not, it will not be taken away from her. Martha's priorities, her preparations, her, consider, her, her considerations, her hospitality, none of those are bad things. God is not saying, Jesus isn't suggesting that her activity is bad. What he's identifying and illuminating for us is that her priority is off. Her priority. You know what? Some of my favorite people in the world are the most diligent, the most disciplined, the most organized because they just, they just seem to have things dialed in and, and balls don't drop and you can, you can trust them and they can execute and make stuff happen. I love being around those kind of people. But what Jesus is suggesting here is that sometimes even diligence can be a distraction. Even your diligence can be a distraction. Some of you have your act together. You work really hard. You say and do all the right stuff. You keep your schedule really busy. It's all good stuff. And you got the kids at the thing and the, we're preparing them for college and they have to get there. And like, we coach this, we do that. We have all this thing. Even your diligence sometimes can be a distraction from hearing the voice of God. And you might find yourself disconnected right? Mary, on the other hand, Martha's sister, remember, can you picture her? She's just literally sitting there on the floor at Jesus' feet, hanging on every word, not wanting to miss a moment. After all, it's not every day that God is sitting on your sofa, and she is there with him, present, realizing that he has the words of life. And here's something really, really interesting that I think is you, you want to take from this story. It's, remember, it's not that Martha's doing bad stuff. It's not bad stuff. But look at what it leads her to do. It leads Martha to tell Jesus what to do. Martha is telling Jesus. Can't you tell my sister to get in here and do this thing? When you're frantic and when your head is full and your ears are full, when you're on information overload, when you're going 100 miles an hour, all of a sudden you just, you just naturally start to sense this entitlement that you can tell God how things should be. That's the pathway. That's what happens. And you no longer hear from him, but you're convinced that you're right and that you have this figured out and you will tell him the way things should be. Whereas Mary is simply listening to Jesus. Whatever you say. I know that in that moment, if Jesus would have said, yeah, Mary, she's got a good point. Would you just hop up and just kind of pull the biscuits out of the oven? That'd be great. <laughs> Mary would have jumped up and done it. Why? Because she listens to him. Some of us, some of us, we're doing good stuff. But Jesus might just whisper to you to do something better. And I know that you do it but you just can't hear them because you're running 100 miles an hour doing stuff that makes sense to you. Can you, will you create some space today? Create some space this week, even amidst your diligent activities, to listen, to be open to hearing from God. Because, remember I told you to circle the word one Jesus said, only one thing is necessary. You know what that one thing is? 
Remember that movie, City Slickers? And Curly's like, there's only one thing that matters in life. And Billy Crystal's like, your finger? No, no, no. There's only one thing that matters in life. This is, this is Jesus' moment. This is what he's saying. There's one thing that matters. You're hustling about. You're worried about a million things. I'm not mad at you for your diligence, but I'm, what I'm telling you is your, your diligence is distracting you from the one thing. And the one thing is connectedness. It's connectedness. That God wired you, designed you, and wills for you to stay connected, to be connected to your God. Our human tendency is to integrate God into our wants, our desires, and our priorities for life. Better living is to align our wants, our desires, our priorities with God's plan for our life. Uh, there was, I was talking with Hillary about this as I was preparing a couple of, or yesterday or a couple of days before, and, uh, and she remembered immediately that she sensed that God was saying to her that when she was graduating from high school, she had got this full ride scholarship to go play volleyball, but she had just come to know the Lord like a year before. So she was a baby in terms of following Jesus. And she had this opportunity to go to New Mexico and play volleyball for full scholarship. And she wanted to. It was like, that's, that's, what I, that's, my, that's been my dream for years and years. I want to go and I want to do that. I want to play. But she just had this sense, not an audible voice, just a sense that she wasn't supposed to do it, that she needed to stay closer to home, closer to her community, closer to people that knew her, that were helping her, that were walking with her, that that was more important than the volleyball scholarship. But she said that she went ahead anyway and went to college. And then for the next five years, went off the deep end, lost her, disconnected from God, just lived crazy, lived wildlife. Now, God has totally redeemed that, and she's obviously the coolest person in the room. But, <laughs> but she would tell you, as she said yesterday, that she wishes that she didn't have to waste those years. Right? That she wishes that she would have listened stayed and not had to waste those years disconnected from God. Don't waste years. Don't even waste minutes or days. God designed you for an ongoing connection, a connection. And in order to tune in to him, you, you're going to have to tune some things out. I put on the back of your outline a list, an opportunity for you to list things, things that you need to tune out, things that you need to you know, distractions to eliminate, to begin to consider. What are the things, even if they're good, diligent things, that you might need to resist this week, that you might need to let go of? I wanted to show you a picture of, uh, of my journal from February. That's a, that's a photo, iPhone photo, right out of my journal. February 17th, I was reading Streams in the Desert devotional, and, uh, and so those are some verses that either were in the, in the devotional or that just kind of popped out to me. And then down here below, I had been reading a book that I want to recommend to you called uh, Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson. It's an awesome book about prayer and intentionality with prayer and writing down the things that you're praying for and then circling them. You know why you circle them? There's a bunch of reasons. You can read the book. But the, the gist of it is because it keeps you focused 
It keeps you focused, just like Joshua and his army marching around Jericho, just like there's a number. It keeps you focused on the thing. And so you go back to it, and you go, God, I, pray, I still pray this. You know that we walked around that Regency movie theater? A lot of us just walked around it. I don't know. Is that weird? Maybe a little bit weird. But, but there's, something, there's something to it. There's something to it, we believe, that it's a focused, intentional thing saying, God, do this. Give us this. Answer this prayer. He might not always answer you the way you want, but I decided just to circle that. Look what it says. New home for our church in 2015. And look what he's doing. God speaks. God whispers. God answers prayers. And you can know God's voice. For the next 30 days, I'd ask you, invite you to do an experiment. Would you take this seriously? Would you create some space to hear from God? Would you eliminate at least one distraction that's an ongoing distraction in your life? Maybe it's the, the regularity that you check social media. Maybe it's the way that you're a slave to email. Maybe it's the amount of television you watch or how you just jump in the car and you turn on the radio and it's just always noise that surrounds you. Maybe it's not those things, but it's something else. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's surfing, but by yourself so that you can talk to you. I mean, whatever it is, would you, would you take these next 30 days of this series and would you consider that God wants to speak to you? In a few moments, we're going to create some extra space and silence, and we're going to invite you just to listen. And the band is going to play, and the band's going to sing, and then you're going to be guided through just a, just a few moments of reflection, quiet, and listening. So I would invite you to be courageous, even if you're uncomfortable, and invite God to speak. Because he will. He's your creator. He loves you. And he'll speak to you just like he will anybody else. Anybody else. He wants to speak to you.